Welcome to Eurocron, a podcast about a wide variety of topics, including people, restaurants, travel, or wherever we can find a good story. And in some cases, maybe even create one. So let's get right to our next story. Sally Ann Black has been a lifelong lover of the outdoors and grew up along the shores of Lake Erie. Her father was a boating and fishing enthusiast, and the family spent many summers aboard their Chris Craft cruiser fishing and camping along the inlets and bays of Lake Erie. He shared with her fishing and boating knowledge and often joked that Sally was the son he had never had. Moving to Rockport <laughs> from Houston in 1985, <laughs> that cracks me up, and working for a local attorney as a paralegal, she outfitted her first boat, eventually realizing that a, quote, real job, unquote, interfered with fishing. Gosh, doesn't it, do, doesn't it for all, all of right. us? She, she became a contract paralegal so that she had more time to devote to learning the bays. Captain Sally has gained wide recognition as one of only a handful of professional female fishing guides in the country, the first and only female fly fishing guide on the Texas coast and the first professional fishing guide to specialize in kayak fishing in Texas and known as one of the seven paddling pioneers in the country by Kayak Angler Magazine. In 2010, Captain Sally Moffat married Captain Aubrey Black and not only joined their lives, but their businesses. A longtime veteran Baffin Bay fishing and hunting guide, Captain Black's dream was to open a fishing and hunting lodge. So collaborating on a unique lodge concept, Baffin Bay Rod and Gun was established in 2010 and began offering guests a full featured package of meals, lodging, hunting, and fishing. In 2007, Sally published her first book about fishing and shallow water sight casting entitled Kayak Fishing the Texas Way, a Beginner's Handbook, which sold thousands of copies. She authored the Texas Midcoast chapter of the nationally published book, Saltwater Fly Fishing from, Mar from Maine to Texas, edited by Don Phillips. Sally also writes for several monthly and online publications, including Texas Fishing or Texas Fish and Game Magazine, Texas Outback Magazine, CCA Currents, along with other submissions and projects. Sally, it is an honor. And I'm, I have been looking forward to this podcast, as you know, for years, I've been trying to get you on here. So um, I know. Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much for taking time. It is awesome to have you on your cron. How are you doing Sally Black? I'm doing fabulous. Of course, I'm living the dream down here on the Texas coast on Baffin Bay and I'm still guiding full time and just, just moved into a new house and uh, just really, really happy. Awesome. Awesome. So you, um, you've done so much in your life and we, we talked, we, uh, read a little bit right there, but, uh, where, where is a good place to start your amazing story? Well, I moved to tech. My dad passed away between my junior and senior year. And so, and I had all kinds of opportunities. I had a full college scholarship athletic. I had, um, an electrician's apprenticeship. I had, I mean, you, you, you name it, it was crazy, but I left and I moved to Houston because I'd always wanted to have a horse and everybody from Texas has a horse. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I, um, you know, got a good job. And in six months I bought a horse and I started trail riding and I was a coastal cowgirl. 
And all I did was fish and hunt. My mom moved with her sister down to Rockport. And uh, I would go there every weekend and fish. And and um, so I got so tired of being depressed on Sundays, having to drive back to Houston, that I decided to move down there. And I did. And I, I, didn't, even, I didn't even have a place to stay. I loaded up my horses and dogs and cats. And I drove on down there. And, and I looked around and I found a good pasture that had a good gate. And a good fence, and I put my horses in there, and I put a note on the gate, and <laughs> and uh, and I, that worked out great. And I, I had a good place for my horses after that because the farmer didn't believe it. And um, <laughs> and then I got a good job as a paralegal, and I bought my very first boat in 1985 when I was 25 years old, and I started fishing rockport. And of course, I was the only girl at the boat ramp ever. And there were no women fishing with men. There were no women with their own boats, of course. And guys would always say, hey, does your husband know you've got his boat? <laughs> or or maybe for a blonde, you can sure back up a boat trailer, you know, oh, things like that. And so um, I just started fishing and fishing hard. And I learned how to fish and learned uh, Rockport really well. And um, I hooked all my boyfriends and literally, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Right. Uh, with the hook, and um, I was, it was, I had small boats, and I, you know, I like to cast bars, so I'd, yeah, hook them, and um, <laughs> as time went by, <laughs> as time went by, like, like you said, in my uh, bio, I just, I, I decided to, to not have a real job, because I would have to work on the days when it, I was supposed to be fishing, so my boss agreed that it would be okay. And so I became a contract paralegal and he even bought me my own office in downtown Corpus. And I only worked when I absolutely had to. And um, I fished the rest of the time. And then as, as more time went by, people would say, why don't you become a fishing guide? And of course there were no women fishing guides back then. So I said, you know, I'm thinking about it. And then my girlfriend said, hey, you're fixing to be 38 years old. You better figure it out pretty soon. <laughs> Because you're going to be old. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's like, oh. so old. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. So I went and got my captain's license, and I did a lot of off offshore fishing with my boss back then. And so I got a near-coastal master's captain's license, which none of the guys at the boat ramp had. So if anybody gave him a hard time, I'd say something like, what do you have, a six-pack? <laughs> I'll bet you I'll bet you're one of those kind of guys that only has a six-pack, right? <laughs> and that and that's a small boat license mm. for those that don't know. But that's what most fishing guides have is a six pack. It's lip, commonly known as that, not in the um, underneath their t-shirts. But it's it's a license um, called a six pack. Anyway, uh, so but I had a big boat license, and so they couldn't give me that much crap anymore. <laughs> and I just started fishing, and I became pretty good at it. And then I wanted to learn how to fly fish and. I did that, and that's how kayaking came into play because I had a big, I had a big old 24-foot Carolina skiff, and I couldn't afford a pulling skiff, so I, I learned how to kayak fish and and uh, put those kayaks in my big boat, and we went off to these back lakes where nobody could go unless you walked all the way back there. So we would paddle way back in, way back, way back, and and it was just unbelievable fishing in Rockport back then. There were no fancy boats. There were no airboats. There were nothing. And for years and years and years, um, I did that. And about two or three years, I guess, or maybe five years after I, I got um, into kayak fishing, I got a pulling skiff. Maverick uh, 
gave me an HPX and I started pulling as well as kayak fishing. So I had two boats and both really helped me a lot. The motored boat would help me find fish and the kayaks would help me really target them. So it really made me into a great fisherman. I learned a lot. And, um, and then in um, 2008, I moved to Baffin Bay because I fell in love with another fishing guide, Captain Aubrey Black. And I, it took me a whole year to move my clientele. I would drive back and forth from Baffin Bay to Rockport, which is 88 miles mm. of insanity at four o'clock in the morning and seven o'clock at night. Mm. And back and forth, back and forth. And so finally, after a year, I couldn't do it any longer. And then I, you know, really hit it hard in Baffin and learned how to Baffin fish. And here I am today, the queen of Baffin. Wow. Uh, so much to unpack there. And uh, first of all, I want to say that, that just to let the listeners know, you and I met at the fishing show in Houston, I think it was 2013. So I think it was about 10 years ago, shortly after uh, you opened uh, Bath and Bay Rod and Gun Club. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I was looking at the program and, and I had just got into kayak fishing and got my kayaks and everything. And I saw oh, this person speaking about kayak fishing. And so I went and listened and uh, went up to you after you spoke. I really enjoyed it. Um, you gave a great presentation. I got your card. But anyway, we'll we'll get into some of those uh, stories because, as you as you know, you know we fished and hunted many times, and uh, yeah. I just want to share some of my uh, awesome experiences. But I gotta I gotta go back to something. Okay, the horses. Do you recall the? <laughs> do you recall? Oh, I was supposed to say that to the end. <laughs> do, no, did you? Do you recall the note you left on the fence? <laughs> yes, I said something like, "These are don't don't worry." These are my horses and I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and and I just put Sally Moppet. And um, of course, I didn't have a cell phone then, you know, that, that was before cell phones. And so, you know, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> that is awesome. So, it did work out. That is awesome. What what was that? I had a, what was his I reaction? I had a great place to keep those horses for a long time because of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. What what was his reaction? Was he a little dumbfounded or or uh, no, he thought that was so funny and he thought it was so cool. Um that I I came back the next day and we talked and I don't know, he just stood up, you know, he he thought that I had a lot of um, you know, guts. <laughs> you definitely have that and, and charisma too. I'm sure he was drawn instantly, but you know, when, before you meet somebody, you just find a note on your fence with a couple of horses. You, there right. must be a thousand right. thoughts that go through one's mind. But anyway, that is an awesome story. Well, I'm sure he just drove by and thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a note. <laughs> oh gosh. So on your resume, electrician's apprentice paralegal yeah. fishing guide uh i would look at that you know if, if just hypothetically say you were applying I, I that's an interesting resume right there i would i would have so many questions for you how did you get into in, interested hey, wait, I, I was a national merit scholar in my high in my senior class top two percent wow. of the united states w- really yeah i did not know that many people would say i wasted all of that but you know not if you're I, happy. I chose a lifestyle. Yeah, not if you're happy. You yeah. Know? Yeah. How did you get interested in electricity, being an electrician? Oh, my, my, my dad was an electrician. So oh, okay. on the weekends, 
when he would help other people, I was always his grunt and and wire puller. And I was kind of skinny and little back then, so I would crawl under the house and he would feed wire through the conduit and I'd pull wire. And then, you know, he would teach me how to hook stuff up and teach me all the lessons that you should learn about hot wires, not hot wires, knowing the difference, things like that. And uh, so since he was in the IBEW, I took the the um, uh, big exam to become a, an apprentice. And I was the first woman to ever take the exam. And I was the first woman to ever pass, of course, to pass the exam. <laughs> really? And I'm sure all those people in the IBEW were just like, what the? <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Good for you. And then... But, Paralegal, how did that come about? How did your interest well, in that develop? When I moved, when I moved to Rockport, I, um, you know, I was, I was the in Houston, I was the um, equipment and fixtures buyer for first for um, national convenience stores, which uh, was a stop and go mm-hmm. back then. Yep. And so I, when I moved to Rockport, it was just a little small town, and I really didn't have any so-called skills for anything in a small town, I was doing big city stuff. So there was a, a, an ad in the paper for a, for a paralegal, for a local attorney. And so I called him and I said, hey, I'm gonna bring my resume over this afternoon. And, and he said, well, I won't be there. Just come on over and put it in the mailbox. And I said, and I'll call you tomorrow. And I said, okay, fine. So I'm wearing like cut off jean shorts, a hoodie sweatshirt, my hair is on a ponytail, <laughs> you know, it's just, I look like some kind of a, at back then, you know, now that's pretty normal. Yeah, right. Back then, you know, that's not how you go to a job interview, okay? No. And uh, I did not have a beer in my hand, but um, <laughs> that's how a lot of people go to a job interview these days. Yeah, but, right. Yeah, so anyway, I went there to, to put the my resume in the mailbox and, and he was there. And he says, well, come on in. And I'm like, oh, I was mortified. And so I'm like, you know what? This, I, I, I didn't know what to say. And so we talked for a little while and he said, okay, thank you. And then I walked out and, and then I, I got home and I'm like, you know what? That just didn't go the way I wanted it to go. So I took a shower and I put on my blue skirt and my blue blazer and my little blouse with the tie thingy and hose and heels and the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And I went back over there and I knocked on the door and he let me in and he said, who are you? And I said, I'm, just, I'm the girl that was just here. <laughs> Good for you. That's awesome. He said, you're kidding me. I went, no, I'm not kidding you. He said, come in here and sit down. I want to talk to you for a minute. <laughs> I knew and there I had to be a for like 15 years. Oh my goodness, that is yeah. Awesome. He was like my dad. He was so fantastic, and and uh, he he even stayed at my house for about six months when he was kind of old, and uh, he was having a tough time. And um, yeah, we just we had he had the best stories, and he was from North Texas, and he was a, quite an attorney from all over Texas. He was quite well known, and so but he was so laid back. But we uh, we got, we he just made me laugh constantly, and I was so blessed to know him and. Vice versa, obviously. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, I should write a book. Yeah. I got a lot of stories. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um fishing. So you obviously fell in love with fishing, fishing with your dad on Lake Erie. Yeah. Did, was that was that love at first sight or did you have to kind of warm up to the idea of fishing? No, I started fishing when I was four. Mm. And then when I could ride a bike, I had a rod holder on my bike. <laughs> of course. No lie. Because we lived pretty close to some creek that fed the lake, and we were, all the kids in the neighborhood would ride our bikes down there and fish all day. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did. Yeah, it was good times. I I had yeah, a friend. Yeah, good times. Yeah, I had a friend. We were you know probably 10, 11, 12, and our mom would go drop us off at Attic Dam all day. You know, yeah, give it give us a dollar or something for a coke, and we'd fish all day, and yep. loved it. Good times. Yep. Good yep. times. It, we didn't have to worry much back then. Right, right. So being the first female full-time fishing guide on the Texas coast, how difficult was it getting clients? It wasn't. I wouldn't think so. It I would, wasn't. I would because with that. Yeah. There weren't, there weren't very many guides mm -hmm. guiding at that time. Mm -hmm. And all the guides that were guiding were real jerks. Mm. And they didn't really like to take families and they wouldn't let kids grab, uh, you know, hold the rod or cast out, you know, or anything like that. And back in the old, those days, for, for people that don't know, this was BC before Croker. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Croker's cheating, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, I don't poo-poo -poo anybody, whatever you yeah. like to do, but right. I don't fish with it. But, yeah. and the last time I used live bait was 2002. So that's just my style. So right. I don't, but I don't poo-poo anybody fishing, but I did have one boat kind of come in on me yesterday and four guys jump out of the boat, right? I mean, right in front of customers with croaker buckets. And I'm like, Look at that. Grown men fishing with croaker. <laughs> and the other two girls that were with me were like, no kidding. Oh, <laughs> and I think they were kind of surprised to see it was three chicks fishing, but whatever. But I was just being mean to them. But yeah. I don't really poo-poo people fishing any way they want to fish. Because when I first got started fishing, you know, I, I didn't like it when people told me what to do. Yeah. So, you know, but I started fishing with with. Uh, finger mullet because that's what everybody did you got a cast net and you went and casted for for finger mullet you didn't go buy bait at the bait at the bait stand so um that's what we did and and we went out and, and this was in rockport back in the day you know back in 98 99 2000 um 2001 i guess and uh it was easy fishing and nobody really used lures, very few, few people, not even Jay Watkins used lures back then. So mm. uh, people listening that are in the fishing game will yeah. know who I'm talking about. Yep. But um, so that's how things happened. And um, because of, I was the only, I was the first woman doing it. I got a lot of press, mm. a lot of magazine coverage. I got you know, but I was real. I wasn't just a fake girl fishing guide. I was a real fisherman that just happened to be a woman. Um, and people soon found out. And and all of those families that all those other jerk guides made mad came fishing with me. Mm -hmm. 
And so I had an instant uh, clientele, which was families. And it was so much fun. And, you know, I'd make the kids help me catch bait. And, you know, we'd all be a part of the cast netting and the buckets and the whole nine yards. And then catching the bait out of the bait well and putting them on your hook. And I'd help everybody cast. Or if they wanted to cast, sure enough. Because it didn't really matter because fishing was so easy and good. And there weren't as many boats as there are right now. Um, but of course, Baffin is not like that. But Rockport, Port O'Connor, Galveston, yeah. Matagorda, um, Port Mansfield, South Padre, it's packed. Yeah. And, um, but Baffin is so, still pretty lucky that yeah. we haven't had that kind of pressure. But um, anyway, so, you know, kids would, would be having a great time. And we'd be catching fish and the kids would be screaming and hollering and cut, there'd be Dr. Pepper on the bottom of the boat and all kind of you know, Cheetos and what have you. And I didn't <laughs> care, you know, people were having a good time and they were paying me to fish. Right. You know, and all those other guys would be crabby and pissed and telling them what to do and don't do this and don't do that and hold, let me cast, let you can't, um, you can't uh, set the hook because you might lose the fish and all those guys. And still to today, most, all a lot, a lot of your bait guys, they all fish for, um, fish for other guides they don't fish for their clients yeah you know they go and show off at the boat ramp and i you know when i was getting tired of cleaning all those redfish all the time it, it was like a manson um you know death at the boat <laughs> at the fish cleaning stand i'd have blood all over the place blood all over me and then i'd go to the grocery store you know and so <clears throat> you know I got tired of killing all those fish and I would ask my clients at the beginning of the day, Hey, are we going to keep, keep fish today? Sure. Absolutely. So, and then as we started catching fish, I'd say, how many fish do you really want to keep? And they'd say, I mean, we could catch 12, 15 redfish or whatever. And they'd say, yeah, right. We only need about five <laughs> or, or if, or if they, sorry about that, or if they, um, you know, if they were doing a fish fry at the church or something like that, and they wanted to make a meat haul, I had no problem with that. I mean, in the great state of Texas, your fishing license tells you what you can keep, not me. Yeah. So I don't make a mandate, but it is important. Conservation is important, and it, and especially now after the freeze and everything like that. So I most of my clients these days catch and release, believe it or not. They might keep one or two. Or there still might be a few that want to have a, a bunch, but that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I, but no, so yeah, you know, it was a hard, a hard struggle with the other guides. Absolutely. Because I, you know, I put up with a whole bunch of crap from them. Yeah. And it took years and years for anybody to talk to me at the boat ramp. Mm. So, I, yeah. I had an experience, uh, my middle son, Zach, we went. Uh, before I met you, um, we went down to Rockport and fished with a guy down there and he, you know, we were fishing with croaker and he's like, he's like counting the croaker. He says, how many fish we got? And I was, was kind of surprised by his question. And I told him, you know, whatever it was, four or five. And he goes, man, we are not, we are, y'all need to hook these. We're using way too much bait or something. He got mad. And then I started complaining about how it sucked being a fishing guy and he wished he was in Alaska and he hated technologies going oh my on. Gosh. I know. And I was just like, I, I can't believe, you know, you, you have what a lot of people, the job, a lot of people kill to have, um, you get to fish every day if you want to, I guess, but 
Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, what you described, they're out there and I don't get it. I don't get it. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. If you don't like it, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Or, and, and at least for that, you know, those few hours you're with your client, don't complain to them. You know, we got to complain. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not what they're there for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're there for, to have a good time. Well, yeah. you know, so as time has gone by in my life, you know, my a lot of my clients are old now, <laughs> just like me. <laughs> me included. And, uh, so, like, they get it. Yeah. And, and um, you know, giving them back so that the younger guides have some fish to catch is really good. Yeah, it is. And I, I don't, um, you know, we, we went to Canada and fished for pike up there. And, you know, every day we, we were there for several days and had our own aluminum John boat and uh, just caught so many fish and probably ate two of them the whole week, you know, <laughs> just, yeah, just right. Uh, I, I, well, I, and I just, I, I don't hunt that much anymore. And I, and I'm okay with that. I don't know. Something about the older I get, the, the, you know, like you said, kind of the, the more wildlife I want to leave for the next generations. And, um, now speaking of that, we, one of my most memorable experiences with you, Sally, was when I took my boys down there and we did a fin and feather and we hunted on the King's ranch. Now, first of all, I had no idea that, you know, it was legal to hunt on the beach there. Um, Right. which is very interesting. And I also had no idea what a nail guy was, but we stopped and ate at a restaurant in Kingsville. I don't think it's there anymore. And they've got these, these heads on the wall that look like kind of like horses. And I'm like, what is that? And the waitress explained it to me as a nail guy. And I'm like, okay. She goes, would you like to have one? <laughs> you know, like a burger. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I see the head. I see, yeah, let me pull the gonna, trailer yeah. around back. <laughs> is it, is it going to be that one right there, you know, that's on the wall? But anyway, uh, it was delicious. It, it To me, it tastes a lot like buffalo. But then but then I see them, you know, and you, you pointed them out to me. And all kinds of wildlife over there, uh, deer, oh, turkey. Yeah. And, and, uh, the real guy are in my neighborhood all over the place. Yeah. So for those that don't know what a nail guy is, because I didn't, so I'm guessing a, a lot of people don't know, what, what is it? Where did they come from? Tell us about the nail guy. Well, it's, a, it's an Indian antelope that was brought over to feed people that were working down here, like for the King Ranch. And, um, you know, they, they're just like um, uh, other you know, animals that have been brought over here, like axis deer, mm -hmm. you know, and they brought them over for, to be on some hunting ranch or something. And then they escaped and then they, they proliferate. And then they actually find that they really like it here. And so they really proliferate and that's what happened to no guy. And they really proliferate. And, um, <clears throat> so they the King ranch has a shoot to kill order on those on their ranch. And then the, the Kennedy, Ranch, which is on the other side of Baffin, the south side of Baffin, um, they uh, actually have some ranches that, you know, lease guy lease for guy hunting, and it's a pretty big deal down here to guy hunt. <clears throat> but they are um, they are delicious, and that's for sure. And they're big; they could be like from three, four hundred pounds to eight hundred pounds, and yeah. it's all good food. And you're right; it's pretty lean. Yeah. And, oh, it's and very I, tasty. I read that when they uh, give birth, they always give birth to twins. So they populated real quick. 
And, uh-huh. and uh, that's why they, I guess, like you said, they shoot to kill policy or whatever it is. Well, they, they eat all the, the cattle's grazing mm. food, you know, they, they, not all the King Ranch, come on. There right. had to be a million no guy to eat all their, their <laughs> grass on the King Ranch because there's plenty of it. But, um, you know, they, they, you know, they, they will kind of take over. So, um, but it's so beautiful down here. I mean, there's, there's Turkey all over and quail and big deer everywhere. And it's just a gorgeous place to live. All kind of cool migratory birds. There's tropical birds. And, um, you know, I, I don't kill four legged animals anymore. I, I just kill birds now. I just kill dove and ducks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never, never, um, my dad never hunted deer or anything like that. So I was brought up, re- you know, just to kill uh, birds. And I don't even do that much anymore. Not not that I wouldn't, I still would. But um, but anyway, so we go down there duck hunting. And <laughs> it's the week before Thanksgiving. And I'm like, we're hunting in shorts and barefoot on the beach. And, and <laughs> And I'm like, this is the most awesome thing. And we're putting out deeks and these ducks are diving on us. And we're like, hey, can y'all wait at least for us to get the deeks out? And, you know, I think we <laughs> we stuck these these palm uh, leaves in the in the sand, which I don't think we really needed them. But no. um, we we gave your dog quite a workout that day, Sally. Yep. Oh, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly didn't know what she was getting herself into. But, uh, oh, man. It was it was so much fun. And uh, boy, we were so worn out from the hunting. We we uh, you know, we were going to go fishing that evening, but the wind came up and we were so tired. We, we had had enough. We had such a good time. But uh, man, what an experience that was. Uh, your, your hunting trips are awesome. Yes, duck hunting down here on Baffin is really special. And, you know, there's very few guides that do it. And, um, you know, like I hunt, nobody has a blind here. Nobody hunts with blinds. And I have now I've moved from palm bronze to um, a a panel blind, which is a lot lighter. And and I have a new dog. Um, Kelly has since passed away. Mm. And I have a new dog named Cinder. And she's six already. And she is a... 100% 100% badass. <laughs> I love a, it. A, a black lab. She has two personalities. Liquor lover. <laughs> like she's sitting on me. She would be sitting on me right now if I was on her chair or on my chair. I mean, I call it her chair, but, um, but, um, and, or when we're hunting or fishing or hunting uh, for ducks or doves, she is in the don't touch me, don't pet me, don't talk to me mode because she's working. <laughs> So if you try to pet her, she move her head away out from underneath your your hand, and they're like, "You better not say something like, oh, good girl, oh, you're such a good girl.' No, yeah, no, that would that would be very embarrassing in the blind. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. she, she's in yeah. working mode. Do you do you train your dogs yourself? Well, well, I trained Kelly, and it showed. But um, she still did everything I needed her to do. But then she was a great dog, and. I, I had her for 11 and a half years and she died from cancer, unfortunately. And a big black lab, of course, you remember. And uh, and Cinder's a big black lab. And I sent her to my one of my best buddies. His name is Mark Kimbrough. And he's in Santa Fe over there near Houston. And uh, he is more like a dog whisperer than a dog trainer, but he's a trainer. 
Mm -hmm. He gets, he somehow communicates with dogs that like Cinder showed up here and she's got a pretty strong personality, although she's a bit of a wimp, Mm -hmm. but she's a pretty, pretty stubborn dog. And, but she is such a great hunting friend. She listens. She wants to do the right thing. She always brings everything back. She never quits. She, um, no, she's just a, a dog, a person would dream of in a hunting situation. And I'm so lucky to have her, but Mark Kimbrough is the guy and he does, he does mostly pointers, um, but he does some labs too. And um, so he's, he's still um, training dogs. And my next dog that I get, God willing, I'm going to send him, I'm going to send her to him. Mm. So yeah. um, he is something else. And I, I really hope everybody that's looking to have a dog trained would give him a call. Excellent. But, we can put his anyway, information on the website. Little little um, plug for my bud. Yeah, no, that's great. We can put his inf- information on the website. Um, so a couple of so that was that was my um, my hunting story. Now there's oh some, I'll never forget that day, and I I have some of the best pictures of y'all, um, all y'all with almost no clothes on, with hanging holding up all your ducks. Yep. You know y'all y'all are all shirtless and wearing shorts, no shoes. Yes, you remember. So, that's right. That's one oh, of my yeah, favorite pictures. And I'm the shortest one in the in the crowd. <laughs> oh, I remember. Yeah, that, that is awesome. <laughs> that was a long time ago. When it, it when was, was that? It was oh gosh, I don't know. Um, 2016, maybe. Yeah, I want to say 15, 16, somewhere in there. 15. Yeah, yeah. somewhere in there. And then uh, Levon and I. Uh, for Valentine's Day, I took her fishing with Sally right. Black, and we caught all the the species. This was in February, obviously Valentine's mm-hmm. uh, flounder, red speck, and uh, you know she had never weighed fish before. And I've just I still got this just great cute picture of her and the waiters, you know, just smiling with the hat on and all that. And that was so much fun. Um, we caught a lot of trout. We did, we did, and uh, then. We get back to the Omnian Corpus and we're standing in line and we're talking to this guy and we're telling, she's just going telling all about the great fishing trip and everything. And then he goes, this guy's like, oh, well, you, weren't you worried about the rays? And I'm like behind her going, no, 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 don't, you know. And she's like, what do you mean? <laughs> so he brings that up and I'm like, now I, I've spent the next years going, okay, how many hours do you think Sally spent in the water? They, okay. Yeah, everybody that wade fishes it knows about, you know, stingrays and stuff, but there are way, you know, you shuffle your feet. It's that simple. Mm. And, and Well, plus Baffin doesn't really have any. Yeah, I mean, you know, I need, she's going to listen to this podcast because she needs to hear this. <laughs> Sorry, Levon. Baffin Bay really doesn't have very many stingrays. Yeah. So, um, but I'm like, man, that guy, but then, then another February trip to remember, and this was awesome. So I'm in your lodge and I'm looking at your chart and I notice a pattern of large specks being caught and you, you know, your charts all filled out. It's got the moon phases and the dates and everything. And you're explaining to me uh, about when to catch the, the large trout. And so James and I book a trip. Uh, during that period in February and you're very, very specific. You know, I don't want to give it up. People need to find out for themselves like we did, but uh, you're very specific about 
you know, the dates, uh, when to go and the bait to use and everything. And, you know, the expectations you set were, were dead on, you know, we didn't catch a ton of fish, but we were not going for a ton of fish. We were going for a big trout. Right. And so, you know, we're out there doing our thing, using the, the bait you're telling us and, and James, I never forget, he walks to the shoreline and he flicks it out there. And I'm pretty far away, but all I see is that rod just double over. And James is a, he's fished a lot. And I've never seen a grown man so excited. <laughs> and, and you're just, you're just kind of casually, you know, doing your Sally Black being cool and everything. And I'm like, I'm trying to get over there as fast as I can, because I'm going to get my picture in course live that I caught it. But um, I think it was 28 and a half inch. It's 28 and a half. But the shoulders on that thing were massive. <laughs> but man, I, I have never seen a fishing plan come together as accurately as what you described. You said, this is where we're going to go. This is what, what to expect. This is the bait you're going to use. And that is exactly what happened. That was so much fun. Time on the water, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the 26 years I've been a professional fishing guide, you know, time on the water. Yeah, yeah. And, and just the last quick story I'm going to share was the first time you and I fished. Um, one of my most memorable times because, you know, I, I put, you know, we talked about kayak fishing in Houston. So I put my kayaks down there and I, I'm excited because I've never fished uh, with a guy with a kayak. And <clears throat> I know I knew that that was your specialty. And you said something to the effect of, yeah, you know, we can kayak fish. But, you know, if you want to go on the boat, we might catch more fish. And I'm like. Yeah, screw the kayaks. Let's go on the boat. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad we did because um, without the distraction of the kayak, what you taught me that day, you taught me so much about fishing, Sally. I, you know, I've fished since I was a kid and thought I knew, but, you know, I don't know how many times you told me, keep your rod tip up. But, but we were catching enough fish while, where I – eventually learned and caught on but what, what i was really amazed at you know when we were drifting out um your sight casting abilities i mean to me it all just looked like flashes but you're like there's a red there's a red and i'm like how in the hell do you know and you know just what you said <laughs> time on the water but time on the water you you well really, you got the right you got over the right sunglasses on too yeah well right you, yeah uh but yeah you you would uh see those fish and cast out and and catch or tell me to cast and i would catch but you know again that that was um late in september i want to say like the third week because it was close to christmas time you know shorts barefooted got a good tan i mean what right. can you ask for it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you covered it all well except for fly fishing you would never do that but um sight casting um fishing with bait in the early days bc before croaker <laughs> and um kayak fishing and trophy trout fishing you pretty much covered it yeah um if if you haven't been down to baffin bay to fish with sally uh you, you gotta go i mean it it you know, like I said, I've, I felt like I fished a lot, but I've never experienced fishing like that, which is why I've been so many times. So um, I also had the the unique experience and pleasure to fish with you and Aubrey. I, I think, you know, he, he happened to be off that day. And uh, 
like you all like to do uh, on your days off and for vacation, you like to fish. Right. And, we do. Uh, we used to do it all to get all the time. We we fly fished. We fly fished in uh, in Isla Mirada on our honeymoon. I mean, we we fished everywhere we would go. Yeah. And I still do. Yeah. That that is awesome. We'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Pitney Properties. Pitney Properties provides real estate services to buyers and sellers located in and around the Houston area. Having been raised in Texas, LaVon Pitney is incredibly well-versed in the area's housing market and always manages to find her clients those hidden gems that other agents tend to overlook. LaVon's relentless style and integrity allow her to hold client satisfaction at her highest priority. She works hard to make the entire home buying and selling experience as is productive and enjoyable as possible. Whether her clients are first-time buyers or seasoned investors, LaVon works tirelessly to accommodate their needs and exceed their expectations. To learn more about LaVon's real estate services, please don't hesitate to call her today at 713-805-8871. That's 713-805-8871. Or contact LaVon at sold at pitneyproperties.com. One of our favorite places to go is um, Port Aransas, particularly the, um, the Tarpon Inn. You know, we like to stay in there. And oh, yeah. fun fact, I didn't know this, but Port Aransas actually was originally named Tarpon um, because it was the only building there. And uh, they have a restaurant uh, called the Roosevelt. <clears throat> and that, they said that that was the first structure ever built in Port Aransas. But of course, it's well known uh, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, fished there, fished for Tarpon. Um, do you know what happened to the Tarpon and when they left? Well, so all the time, the the currents change, right? So currents, the Gulf Stream, mm -hmm. move in and out, and water temperatures change, cold, hot. And so as time went by, the Gulf Stream kind of changed a little bit, and those fish move on that Gulf Stream, and then um, water temperatures got colder, and the tarpon didn't like that. Hmm. And also they got kind of outfished for a while. And um, and so their patterns changed. So this happens, you know, over a hundred years, this might happen once or twice or three times or whatever, you know, hmm. just like patterns in, in saltwater fishing inland, in inshore fishing. Mm -hmm. So I've seen it, I've seen a lot of change in fishing in my 40 years of fishing and um i'm not that old really but okay for, in my 37 years of fishing <laughs> but uh you know I, i've seen a lot of change in fishing you know pattern change mm -hmm. water change sometimes it's cold sometimes it's warm you know sometimes there's a lot of wind sometimes there's no wind 
just patterns change all the time. And especially in Baffin, you know, patterns change. There's a, there's a drought. We're in South Texas, right? The wild horse desert. Sometimes there's a drought. Aubrey and I went through a big five-year drought. And then the, the bay had a brown tide, which happens, you know, infrequently, praise the Lord, or praise the Lord. I don't know, you know, like there's just a pattern. And a brown tide is like fishing in a mud puddle at the Walmart parking lot. Mm-hmm. You know, but the, we, those are some of the best big trout years we've ever had. And perhaps it was because there weren't very many people fishing, but there aren't very many people fishing on Baffin on a regular basis anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, the fish, we found we found the pattern of the fish at that time. And the pattern of the fish were on this particular shoreline, shallow, mm-hmm. all year round for years and years. And when it was cold, they would drop off into deeper water. But I mean, we followed this pattern for years and years during that drought. Mm. So we just got lucky because we had to make hay. You know, we had to make lemonade out of lemons. Mm. The brown tide and the drought were the, were the lemons. And the big trout that we found were the lemonade. And it was because of hard work. Yeah. And, you know, everybody complains and they want everything easy. But it's not easy. Things aren't easy. Yeah. Hardly ever, especially in the outdoors. You have to, if you want to do something and you want to do it bad enough, shoot a big deer, catch a trophy trout. Um, you know, you have to work for it. Any, any, you know, blind hog can find an acorn, but uh, you, in general, you have to work for it. And that's just what it takes when you have an outdoor job. Yeah. Which kind of leads into my next question Baffin Bay. Rod and Gun Lodge opened in um, uh, 2016, and you were the only Orvis-endorsed fishing and hunting facility. How difficult was that to to be endorsed by Orvis? I mean, that just seems incredible to me. It was it was huge. It was huge, and it was very difficult because they they sent their whole team down to interview us, and then they all went fishing with us, and then. Um, they had like a, an annual guides event at the lodge and, um, and then they decided to endorse us. So yeah, it was difficult. You had to go through. And then after a year, they came down and, and, and critiqued you what they, what they liked about what you were doing, what they didn't like, what they wanted you to change. Da, da, da. I'm like, wow. Yeah. So if you go hunting or fishing with, with an Orvis endorsed anything, you you know you've been they've been put through the ringer generally. But since I sold the lodge, I'm I don't think it's endorsed anymore. And um, but that doesn't mean it's still not that great. Yeah. Well, you you certainly you and Orvis certainly set the foundation for it. So we did. Well, he had a lodge here. He he moved down here in '02, and from San Antonio and. Um, he bought that place and he worked very, very hard in, in building his clientele. He started in a travel trailer and he worked himself up into a house and, and with a nice pool. And it was an odd little house. It was a geodesic dome. Mm. And when I moved down there in 08, 09, we remodeled the thing because it was too much of a guide camp for me. Mm-hmm. And so we remodeled it and... And then in 2014, it burned down. 
And so our pets got out, praise the Lord, and, and our employees got out. Um, but we had to start over. And we lived in a 28-foot travel trailer with six dogs for two years behind our burnout house. And then finally got it, fought the insurance company to get our settlement and finally had to find a contractor and then built a really nice place because that was Aubrey's dream. And uh, then we were we opened it in spring of 2016 and we were very successful and he passed away from a sudden heart attack in um, October of 2019. And uh, I ran it for two more years after that and I sold because that was his real, it was really his dream. And, and we made his dream come true before he died. And it really wasn't my dream. I, I, um, and I would just wanted to live my, my dream was to make his dream come true. Yeah. Y'all made a fantastic team. Yes, we did. Fantastic. We really did. So now I'm uh, coming out with my, since I sold the lodge, I, I still work there, believe it or not. I still work at the lodge. And I still guide out of the lodge, and uh, I guide personally now. And I'm coming out with a new website here in the next week or so, um, probably by August 15th. It'll be up and running with a booking calendar and the whole nine yards. So anybody that wants to book or see when when they I have availability, they can go out there and and book right online. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely put that information on the website. Uh, looking forward to that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be the name of my website, which has been my website since Jesus was a baby. <laughs> uh, CaptainSally.com. And the word captain is all spelled out. <laughs> all right. CaptainSally.com. That's, that's easy enough to remember. That's right. That's right. There's only one Captain Sally and thank God for that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. Or at least that's what my mother says. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course there is. Of course there is. <laughs> In uh, 2007, you published a book entitled Kayak Fishing, the Texas Way, a Beginner's Handbook. I love the title because uh, there are, you know, that's, there are a lot of beginning kayak, and I see them more and more all the time. It's incredible yes. how many people are doing that now. What, what was that experience like, Sally, writing a book? What was that experience like for you? Oh, it was challenging, you know, because, but... Uh, it was kind of easy. I had been giving these seminars. I'd drive all over Texas with this kayak in the back of my truck and all the crap you put on it and and all the crap you don't put on it. And, um, and you know, I would give these seminars and I had questions that people asked over and over and over. And so I thought, you know what? I think I'm just going to write a book and see if anybody wants to buy it. And I think I sold 4,000 copies or something, something like that, which, you know, for a Specialty book was pretty good, I thought. And, you know, it was an easy book. I called it a bathroom book. And you know what that means, right? You could pick it up and start reading at any point in the book. Yeah. Or if you drop the book, you can pick it up and start reading. And yeah. And uh, and you get the same amount of information out of it. And and so it was, it answered all the questions that people would give me. And some of them were really, really good. And so I just spelled it all out in a really interesting way chapter by chapter. And then at the end of the book, a couple, three chapters, I talked about fishing from a kayak, which was, I thought, the best information of the book about, you know, how to find fish in a kayak, how to not, how to fish where the fish are and they aren't and why they're there. And, uh, you know, how winds and tides and 
water levels make a difference. And, you know, I was a tide fisherman my whole life until I moved down here to Baffin Bay, which there's no tide here. So, it, you know, there's a whole lot of other things that run fishing down here a little bit more than, you know, the, the in Rockport, the main thing is the tide, water moving, right? But if you, if you fish in a bay that has no water moving, water moving, then what do you do? I, well, water, I move, water moves no matter if you have a tide or not, and it's called wind. That's mm, one thing. Mm-hmm. Wind is the tide. Yeah. I, I had in no bay, idea. That in a bay that has that. no tide. Yeah. I, that's interesting. I did not know that. What do, you, what do you do if there's no wind in a bay that has no tide? <laughs> you go to Sally Black and let her, she's the guy, let her show you what to do. <laughs> you might just drink, bring more beer. Well, <laughs> that I can, that's easy enough. <laughs> That's, or a book. <laughs> yeah. Well, that you know, that's a good point, though. Um, the thing is, right when you step in your lodge, it's a good time. And, man, oh, my gosh, the food spread is incredible. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Hospitality you, you, you never changes. It's go always away, good. Huh? Yeah. Mother Nature, you can't predict Mother Nature, but yeah. you can predict hospitality. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> I never forget what you said. Uh, took my mother-in-law down there, uh, Levon and I did, and and uh, you know I wasn't feeling too good that morning, and and I, I didn't want to upset you because I know you had a schedule and everything, and I was like, man, I don't think I can leave right now. And you're like, hey, this isn't world peace. This is <laughs> fishing. <laughs> you just always, you've always had a way of of making uh, making it fun and making people feel at ease. So. Uh, Uh, Well, everybody gets so serious on fishing, you know, like the four stages of fishing, you know, and I'm, I'm in way into number four, but you know, in case you don't know what the four stages of fishing are, the first stage is you just want to catch a fish, any fish, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then the second stage is you want to catch a lot of fish, limit out, limit out, limit out. Mm. And then third stage of fish is that you're looking for a trophy fish. And the fourth stage of fish is that you just want to go fishing. Man, so no matter so what true. happens, you're still happy. Yeah. Because you've made it through all the stages of fishing. Yeah. Some people never make it past two or three, but that's okay. I think in my mind, I've skipped three. Um, I, I did catch a five foot black tip off the surf one time. You know, I was kind of like, yeah, that's good. I'm good with that. Well, you know, uh, trophies are relative. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, because he's just a little kid, and you know, a fifteen-inch trout is a trophy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's about the experience, and it is, <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, I had a little, little kid come on board with a Snoopy rod, or no, it was a Superman rod, or maybe a Batman rod. I can't remember, but you know what what I'm talking about. It right. wasn't a Barbie rod, but right. you know those little plastic rods and reels you get at the at at walmart yeah you know that okay so i said you know he's about eight you know what it's going to be real hard to catch a fish on that today he goes i don't care i just want to fish with this this is my rod and reel i said okay all right but you you got to cast pretty far and he goes i I can cast far i said show me how far you can cast and it was like you know 12 feet maybe (laughs) yeah and so I said, okay, that's pretty far. All right. I'm thinking, that's kidding. I'm going to catch shit. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. And then. No, go right <laughs> I put, I put, I put the little fishy on his 
on his hook and I throw it out there and he's fishing all day. And I'm, I'm just getting, you know, we're all catching fish and I was getting kind of upset personally in my inside. And, and I, I'm like, you sure you don't want to, sure you don't want to, you know, use one of these? No. So no kidding. Did he not catch like a 22 inch redfish? Of course. On his Superman rod pole. Yeah. It's a pole. A rod is anything that costs more than a hundred dollars. Yeah. It's a Superman pole. <laughs> so, but he smoked his Superman pole reels and it didn't work anymore. And he, and he threw it down on the bottom of the boat. And at first he was mad because he couldn't keep fishing. And I'm like, look, you caught, you caught a trophy fish on your Superman pole. You don't want to keep fishing with that anyway. You put that on the wall. He goes, oh, you're right. So there's your, there's, it's all relative. And, and awesome. you just have to re- relate to whoever you're fishing with and what their relative is. Because yeah. I take a whole bunch of people that, you know, want, want to catch a big trout. That's, that's my thing. That's their thing. They all know me as that. They, most of them don't even know me as that other girl we talked about earlier, the horse girl, the mullet girl, you know, finger mullet girl, the <laughs> kayak girl, none of that. Yeah. Polling skip girl. They don't know, they don't know any of that. Yeah. But they think of me as a trophy trout angler guide. Yeah. Well, and they're looking for the biggest trout they can catch. 30, and on Baffin Bay, 30 inches is the new 28, you know, like 28 inches used to be the big trophy trout cutoff, right? Yeah. But now, there, you if you catch a 28 or 29 on Baffin, it's like ho-hum. you got to catch a 30, 31, 32. And so, uh, you know, the, the everything's relative, completely relative. And I try to keep those people's expectations in order because a lot of people can't fish very well but they want to catch a 30-inch trout. Well, some do. Some do. Like, people win the lottery. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But but honestly, it takes a lot of hard work to catch a big fish. Yeah. So, so you just have to keep your expectations relative to, to your skill level. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. That... And I try to make it funny. So most some people don't get my humor, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I like me. <laughs> Sally Black, don't change a thing about you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> don't change a thing about you. And I hope a lot of people listen to this podcast and they, they found, find out about horse Sally Black and the finger mullet Sally Black and all of the kayak <laughs> Sally Black. Kayak. Yeah. Holding uh, yeah. All, all of that stuff. Cause uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, you're you're amazing. You're just a joy to, to be around. You know, despite the fishing, it, it, you're just just a great, fun person to be around. So what? Well, thank thank you, Scott. Of course. So what what is the what does the future look like for you, Sally? You know, somebody asked me the other day about my bucket list. Mm. What's on your bucket list? And I and I would just thought to myself, hmm, gee, I don't have a bucket list. Isn't that sad? Like, I don't have a bucket list. I feel pretty good about things I've done, you know. I've caught tarpon on the fly. I mean, nothing big, but that was okay. And I caught snook on the fly. Nothing big, but that was okay. And I've caught, I haven't caught a a permit, but that's okay. I'll I'll catch one one day. But, I mean, I don't have, like, a longing for something. 
And then I started thinking, you know what? I really like Italy. I would like to go to Italy. So I'm going to put that on my bucket list. I'm going to, I'm going to go from north to the middle part to the south, and I'm going to eat my way through Italy. But I, I'm going to have to lose some weight before I go. So I, mean, I could fit into my clothes on the way home. <laughs> I, I, I've, never, I've never been, but that sounds like an awesome bucket list. Thing. Yeah, because yeah. there's three different food styles in Italy, you know, like pasta in one place and sauces and seafood and, you know, home style stuff in another place. And, and it's just, it's real complex. And the people are, I'm sure, are pretty nice and the hillsides are nice. And I've been to California and all that's pretty and everything. And I've been through, my, I've, I've been to a lot of different places and I lived in San Diego, California for a while. And, um, and we didn't get to talk about that. But um, I, uh, I have been, I have enjoyed my life, you know, and I've had the love of my life, and and now I'm living in my forever home, and and uh, I, I just don't really have a big bucket list, but I'm going to have to figure something out now. Yeah, well, you, you've you've um, your bucket has been, uh, you, you've done well with your bucket. You, you, I know. You, you, I'm really you, happy, and I'm only yeah. 63 years old. <laughs> And I've been poor, pretty poor my whole life. I've never had a lot of money. Yeah. And um, I've done, you know, things I wanted to do and when I wanted to do them. And and the more, the older I get, the more I think, you know what? And I've heard this, do the things that you want to do now when you can do them. Right. Like, don't wait. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I'm 60. And, don't and, wait. And, and, and uh, I've been very, very fortunate too. There's so many things uh, that I've done. There's still a lot of things I want to do, but I'm, I'm content. And yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I said, look, you know, traveling's kind of on our thing too. And so, um, you know, we, we've got a list and I said, yeah, let, let's not wait. Um, you know, I, I look at this as the fourth quarter of my life really. So, yeah. Um, you know, well, I've never been a big traveler. I've gone a few places, but I've never, never been a big traveler cause I've always had horses and I, I like the land, you know, I like my horses walking on the land and, and I like to ride my horses. And this is the first time I haven't had a horse since 1979. Wow. So, yeah. And, um, I, I'm kind of like <laughs> some of my horse girlfriends like, what's, what's it like not having a horse? And I said, freeing. <laughs> <laughs> Get to feed him twice a day. I don't care who you are. You know, I don't care where you're at. You better feed him twice a day. That's true. And, uh, you know, there's a whole lot involved with horses. And it's not that they're so expensive. It's that they're very time consuming. Yeah. But you love them so much, you don't care. Yeah. And uh, I have dogs, but they have a great place to stay, you know, when, if I'm not here. So um, I, I don't worry about them. Too. I'm down to three now. And, um from six so mm. but but uh you know like i my mom lives with me now mm -hmm. so i take care of her mm -hmm. she's 91 and, and she's another badass <laughs> i'm so, sure <laughs> no surprise so, there. you know i got i got a little camp here i have three and a half acres and have a swimming pool and everything and you know i really like it here I just really like it here that's awesome, um, that's awesome. i don't feel like going anywhere else yeah. right now but I think I'll go to Italy. Yeah, yeah. Maybe next year. I'll, I'll have to fit it in between trophy trout, dove hunting, and duck hunting. So is that like, uh, what does that look like, like a July? No. Well, yeah, maybe July. 
mm-hmm. you know, maybe July. And I don't know what's, I can, I'm going to have to do a little research Yeah. because turkey trout goes from like December to June mm-hmm. and then dove hunting starts in September mm-hmm. and then duck hunting goes through the end of January and dove hunting too mm-hmm. goes through the end of January. So, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't leave very many months open. Right. 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 Well, I'll, this weekend, well, the first weekend in um, August, I will be in Houston, another shameless plug, but I'll be in Houston at the Hunter's Extravaganza. I'm going to have a booth there. I'm not, it's kind of in, if you go inside the front door, maybe to the left and a little bit in, not too far. I don't know what the number is, but you can't miss me. And um, I'm going to talk to people about trophy trout fishing and trophy duck hunting because it is a trophy hunter's extravaganza excellent excellent well I, we'll try to get this podcast out and get the word out uh before the weekend um i know it's kind of a small space of time there but we'll we'll do what we can and uh, um yeah uh i sal it's been an awesome conversation i really really appreciate you, your Scott. time yeah um so good to catch up with you. And, you know, we definitely need, Levon and I need to book something with you uh, here in the near future. So we um, we have what's on your cron, we call our legacy question, which is in 50 to 100 years from now, if somebody's listening to this recording, what message do you want to leave? What do you want to tell the world, Sally? 50 years. In 50 <laughs> years, they would say, is that girl not going to retire? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's too broke to retire. <laughs> no, you know what? And here's something I'm really proud of. So I thought about this, about why am I working so hard all the time? You know, like people die. And then like when Aubrey died, I thought, you know what? He was so great. He was so great to other people. He has such a legacy. But people's legacy passes, right? At time, people people forget. And so what I thought, I'm going to pass it on. I'm going to pass this on. And I found, I didn't find her. She found me. So I'm at the lodge and she shows up and she's 25 years old. And she says, look, I love to fish. I, I will do anything over here at the lodge. I will sweep the floors. I will mop the floors. I don't care what it is. I'll take out the garbage. I don't care. I want to learn how to fish from you. I just want to go fishing. And I'm like, oh, Okay, well, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> these floors really do need to be mopped and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? Anybody could say that. So I took her out fishing and she didn't know shit about it. Excuse <laughs> me. She didn't know anything about it. And so uh, I hope you have a beep. And um, so I thought, you know what? She really does love to fish, even though she doesn't know anything about it. And she almost put her my boat in the back of my pickup and put it on the trailer and we had some mishaps, but now after she was my intern for two years and she has turned into a dynamo and her name is Captain Rihanna. Captain and I don't know Rihanna. if you know of her or not, but anybody that's listening needs to look her up. Captain Rihanna De La Cruz. It's Captain Rihanna's BaffinBayAdventures.com. I told her that name was too long, but <laughs> Captain Rihanna's BaffinBayAdventures.com. And she is, not only does she remind me of me when I was young, but she's way past that. Mm. She she must have been 
either recording while I wasn't listening <laughs> or she was a sponge Yeah. because I listened to her talk to people and she sounds just like me. Mm. And, but it's not what she says, it's what she does. Mm. And she is so good at what she does. And I thought, I keep thinking to myself, first, one thing comes to mind. Ooh, she's kicking my ass. And, I, and then I think, uh-oh, no, she can't do that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and, then, and then I think, oh, I'm so proud of her. Yeah. Yeah. I am so proud of her because she can kick my ass, by the way. Yeah. But um, she is pretty good. Yeah. She, but, but let me tell you, she has made me feel so good about my decision to pass what I know on to someone else. And, you know, all the other male guides, they don't think about that, and they don't do that. You know, Aubrey, my husband wouldn't even teach me mm. about trout fishing. I was a good fisherman in my own regard. I was a cat flycaster when I moved here and a slidecaster. You know, and he's like, I would just fish with him. I'm like, I'm telling you, like, he would just show me. And if I couldn't figure it out, that was my problem, not his. Yeah. You know, and I watched him whip me over and over and over when I first started moving here. I'm like, okay, this is going to work for me mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because I'm a great fisherman and um, I'm not going to let this happen. <laughs> and then I got kind of tough on it and I started to really dial down on the real subtle stuff that he was doing that helped him to catch bigger fish than me. Mm. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was stealing his clients. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> oh, so so doesn't want to fish with me anymore, Sally. He wants to fish with you. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, sweetheart. I wonder why. Oh man. You know, that is uh, awesome. And, and then, you know, it was a funny joke between the two of us, but we shared a lot of clients and, and, uh, but no, I, I got, I learned, I was so eager to learn that I learned it hard. And Rihanna is just like that. She was so eager to learn that she learned it really hard. Like yeah. she didn't skip a beat. She didn't think, she didn't talk about stuff with me like, yeah, what'd you get at the grocery store? Or <laughs> what about so-and-so, you yeah. know? So <clears throat> she, she was just all about fishing 24 hours a day. Period. That's awesome. And uh, she's so good. So that's my legacy. And in 50 years from now, she's going to be old like me. And everybody's going to ask her, how'd you get to start? What happened to you? Like, how'd you get to be so good? And she'll be like, well, this this old chick from back and, <laughs> you know, put me under her wing. And, you know, she taught me for, I don't know, six months or so. You know, she'll make it sound less than it really what it was, <laughs> you know. And I, I watched some of her videos, and, and uh, yeah, that's how I got started. <laughs> well, thank, thank goodness. So that's, that's that's my that's part of my legacy right there, you know. But really, yeah. another part of my legacy is that I opened the doors for the normalcy of women fishing, and it's and now it's open wide because tons of women own their own boats. Tons of women fish all the time. There's women's tournaments. There's all women's tournaments. There's, you know, nobody even thinks twice about a chick at the boat ramp anymore. So, you know, 
that's my legacy, truly. Yeah. We opened all the doors on in the great state, state of Texas for women to fish. You did. And it, it's true. When you look at all the fishing magazines, I, I, it's, it's like 50-50 women, if not more women now, on the cover of fishing yeah. magazines. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 50-50. And lots of covers have... Um, have a lot of women on now right. because because a they look good but b they're good you know yeah women are good fishermen they really are they have patience they don't let their focus slip away um if they really are interested in it like guys guys can lose their focus you know they, they can they lose a fish they throw their rods down good fishermen don't do this but yeah. Guys do. They'll throw their rods down. They'll get all pissed, and and um, and so when women lose the fish, they're just like, "Well, I need to work harder." Yeah, that's a good point. So, and, and, and it's good uh, for relationships. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not poo-pooing men fishing. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, women and men. What I always say about fishing is that there's no heavy lifting in fishing. That women can do it just as well as men can, you know, like, you know, I don't need a 50 pound sack of seed feed carried across the yard to my, to the barn. Yeah. You know, you can, you can lift a rod, you can catch a big fish, you can do all that stuff. It's just the same as men. Yep. So, so don't give me that. If you don't, if you don't think women and men can fish the same, they can. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, that was, that's, that's my legacy is that I gave a lot of women confidence to go do it. And the fact that I'm still doing it at age 63 is the fact that they can all still do it. And they all, all are still doing it. And I'm really proud of that. And I think that's my legacy, honestly. You should be proud of that, Sally. That's awesome. Thanks. You Thank you. You should be proud of that. Yeah, no, you Thanks. should. You should. And uh, yeah, I was going to say, you know, and as far as relationships, I, I, I love going fishing with LeBond. You know, and and yeah. and that's uh, and when you know, I told her, you know, my my guy, my go-to guy is Sally Black, and you know, she's uh, she's couldn't wait to go, and then her mother-in-law, you know, Helen went with us, and oh, so, yeah. yeah, that was so great. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It's and awesome. you know, the funny thing is, I, I've taken a few couples. Yeah, and I've taken lots of couples. Yeah, and I've taken a few couples where the man didn't fish and the woman fished. And she was like, hey, I'm trying to get my husband into fishing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> right? That's so, awesome. so, you know, you there you go. Yeah. I mean, that, that just tells you everything you need to know. It worked. Yeah. It worked. No doubt. And kayak fishing was, was what I called women's fishing suffrage. <laughs> you know? Mm. Because all the men would go out on the boat, and they never wanted to take the women. Yeah. And the women... All of a sudden, kayaks showed up, and the women would, would all go kayak fishing. Mm. And half the time, they would catch more fish than the men. And so women didn't need the men anymore. Yeah. To take them fishing. And, and so, you know, half of the men were like, whoa. And the other half were like, yay. <laughs> I'm, on the, right? I'm on the so, A side. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I think it's awesome. <laughs> so funny. I mean, truly, I've seen it all. I've been there, done that, you know, 
I've been really blessed. And I still have time. I still have time on the earth, hopefully, God willing, to um, make another change in my life, you know? Because everybody would always say, hey, what are you going to need next? Hey, Sally, what are you doing next? I almost bought an airboat, and I'm glad I didn't. Mm. Well, (laughs) nothing that you do would surprise me. I mean, you're, you, you are, you are fearless. You are fearless. Her name is Sally Black. She fishes on Baffin Bay and she's damn good at it. Uh, we're going to put all of her contact information on the Yurkron web- website and the books information and her, um, her protege, her, her, um, her intern, uh, whatever, whatever Sally wants, Sally's going to put on there. Uh, but Great. bottom line is go fishing with her. You will not be, be disappointed. It's an awesome experience. Sally, thank you so much for being on your cron. It was, that was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you so much, Scott. I can't wait to see you again. Absolutely. We will make it sooner than later. All right. Well, thank you, Sally. Thank you, sir.